Good morning. It is Sunday, October 21st, and you are listening to In the Wheelhouse. ITW is a weekly podcast on the Chicago Cubs and other ancillary subjects. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. This week on In the Wheelhouse, each league championship series is ended, and we will react to the World Series matchup. We'll talk about whether or not Bryce Harper or Manny Machado would be a good fit for the Cubs next season, and we will address the idea that Joe Madden will be managing in 2019 without the possibility of an extension. Anyway, so how are you doing, Tom? I'm about uh, 63% today. A little tired from staying up watching the uh, Dodgers-Brewer game yesterday, were, last night. Were the storms an issue for you? Uh, no, I, when I walked uh, the dude yesterday, um, there was a few branches around, but it wasn't too bad. I'm a pretty sturdy Chicagoan. We we actually lost power uh, for a few hours. Kind of a bummer. We got back from a from getting our family photos taken, and we got back to Glenview, and the power was out, and uh, we ended up spending the evening over at the in-laws' house until it came back on, which was nice. But uh, today is kind of today's a big day for me. I'm going to the Bears. I'm going to see the Bears play the Patriots. I do this every year. My friend, uh, he's my real estate tax attorney. He contests my real estate taxes, and he's. His family has had tickets. His father bought them in 1947, season tickets to the Bears. Wow. And he's, his family's had them ever since. And the seats are really good. They're 11 rows behind the Bears bench right at the 25-yard line. So, yeah, that is you know, good. It's really good, and I love going to the game. I'm not as into football as I used to be, but for Neither. me, the Bears are special. You know, it, it's your, yeah. you're among your people, and uh, it's exciting. Yeah, that's so. good, bad, or indifferent when you say you're amongst your people. Um, uh, <laughs> and and the, the fact is, I've been I've actually been to the stadium ever since since they uh, made it half stadium, half spaceship. Um, and, <laughs> but back back in the day, it's a, it's actually much more friend fan friendly today. They did a much when you're inside the stadium, yep. they did a tremendous job. Looking at it outside, it's an architectural nightmare. Um, but, uh, it, it, you should have a really nice bears football weather day, meaning that it's going to be chilly. Um, right. It's not really advantageous more to the, to the bears because the Patriots play in this weather all the time. I think the interesting thing is that, uh, in, in Vegas, um, the line has gone down from three and a half down to one favoring the Patriots, which means there's a lot of bears money going on the game at the very uh, at the 11th hour. So um, these numbers usually are pr- relatively accurate, so I would expect the game to be relatively tight. I still think the Patriots are a better team, obviously. Um, well, they're, they're great. They're a much better coach. Much, you know, much better quarterback. They, yeah. they a much better coach. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we may end up having a better defense, but I think Khalil Mack is still limping around a little bit today, and that, that was noticeable in the second half last week. Um, they were not allowed to pre- they were not able to uh, pressure Miami in the second half of that game at all. So yeah. it sh- you should you should be in for a, a, a good game. And, uh, you know, you're always amongst the real people out there, the Chicago's. You never know what you're going to see or hear. And that, that's, that's right. The beauty that's right. Of it. So I understand you guys got your family portraits done yesterday. Yeah, we did. We, we went out to, uh, I don't know, somewhere in Oak Brook, a forest preserve out in Oak Brook. We basically split an hour with a professional photographer with uh, my wife's cousin's family. So they did a half an hour. We did a half an hour. Got it. And it actually turned out to be pretty reasonable. And we needed a new one because our old family portrait didn't have our youngest daughter in it. Right. 
and uh, and so we needed to finally get this done. So now we're going to get the the portrait, and you know it was very nice in fields with the sun behind us, right, and the right. wind in our hair. So they'll, we'll, you know, they'll Photoshop all the imperfections out. It's a lot different exactly. than when we had our family portrait back in the day, where they actually didn't have cameras. It was just you know an artist rendering, um, you know. So they're basically sketches of our family. We don't we don't have actual photographs. Uh, well, the I mean, it, it's nice to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. I think you know. Well, so, you know, it, uh, it's not it's not an, it's something that years from now you look back and go, wow, that was great. You know, you you it actually yes. adds value as the years go on. So that's that's great that your is that your daughter Nora that was finally included. Nora and I'm I'm yes, she was finally so included. So I'm guessing that's yeah. keeping the attorneys at bay for a while now. She, I'm sure she hired an yeah, attorney over for this. a little while. Well, you know, her agent, her her her, her agent who scheduled the shoot was uh, you know was a real pain in the ass because she was a prima donna. She was, and you know, I. I I complained to the to the photographer. I'm like the talent. Yeah. You know what I mean. You got to <laughs> deal with talent. But but she because she was crying and she wouldn't smile and she wouldn't. I'm, I'm getting a really God, bad reflection over here. Was she saying stuff like yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Or she just you know wouldn't do that. Wouldn't lean against the wall. It was awful. <laughs> but anyway, all right. Let's talk. This is why we're here. Let's talk about baseball. The 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 both uh, LCSs are yeah. over. The Red Sox finished it off a couple of days ago against the Astros and the Brewers lost, went down in defeat to the yep. Dodgers. So it'll be the Dodgers versus the Red Sox. Um, there's a lot to yeah, talk yeah. about here. Let's begin with the Red Sox and sure. the Astros. The ALCS had plenty of drama. There was a uh, sign stealing, fan interference, yeah. Joe, Joe West asserting right. himself, clutch hitting great defense. And, and at the end of it all, the Red Sox look what look like what they are. And that's the best. Yeah. The they're a ju juggernaut. Uh, they didn't have any, offensive outbursts like they did against in the against the Yankees in the initial series but they did manage to score 29 runs in their five games which is almost obviously yeah. six runs a game that um that's that's remarkable they're the, the, of the four teams no you know the Dodgers are pale in comparison so i think when you when you really break down Boston, and I do believe this is your their year. Uh, I hopefully I'm wrong. Yeah, this is um, their year because I will tell you this: if Boston goes on to win the World Series, not only would this have to be considered one of Boston's greatest teams, but one of baseball's greatest teams. So, yeah, so I'm, kinda, I, yeah, you know, I'm right there I, with you. I don't dislike the Red Sox like you do, um, but I'm rooting against them uh, that they don't accomplish this because that that kind of <laughs> takes away from. From the Cubs, the Tigers, I, I just, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of selfish in that regard. But I'm also I admire the hell out of what the Red Sox have been able to accomplish with that young manager of theirs. He, he's, he made a couple of big mistakes in the in that series, and and what, yeah, Alex Cora, Cora, yeah. I just. It, I, I saw more mismanagement of pitching in both series than I've ever seen before in my life. And, and there's reasons for it. We'll talk about the other series in a minute, but I think uh, in Boston, let's, you know, let's talk about uh, uh, a couple of really great defensive plays. And then I think we have to talk about the fan interference play um, that, Absolutely. that occurred right. um, uh, because I, I have a very strong five, opinion yeah. about this. So, um, okay. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the defensive. Okay. There was a great catch to end. I think it was game four, which is what put uh, the, the Red Sox up three right. to one. And it was a do or die situation. The, uh, the Astros, I think were down by two. 
They had at least two runners on. And uh, who's the outfielder? Ben Attendi. Uh, is it Ben? Oh, it's yeah. Ben Attendi. Ben Attendi charges in, and it's a do-or-die play. If he if he lets the ball land in front of him, two For runs sure. score. And, and would have tied the game. And, it was eight to six. It would have tied the game. And, and yes. Kimbrell, Kimbrell was absolutely um, struggling through the whole series. He was tipping his pitches. We're going to talk about that in a second. Yeah. But uh, his goofball delivery, where his arm looks like it's you know in a sling, his his pitching arm, it was hilarious because I watched most of that whole game and then turned it on at the very end. Everybody behind home plate was imitating Kimbrel. Everybody had their arm. It was great. Hopefully the the, the Dodgers pick up on that, but it was hilarious. I mean, you had I don't think you're gonna see Mary Hart, who's who's behind every Dodgers game, do that, but it was just quite funny to see everybody's arm ha- literally hanging like Kimbrel's at the end. But uh, that, but that outfielder made a spectacular play in a series where well, there was a lot of spectacular plays. Well, the thing is, too, he dives for it, and if the ball gets by him, you know, uh, then th- they could lose the game on that yeah. play. And then the series is tied. I mean, it's a completely different set of outcomes. The fact that he had the guts and the courage to, to try to make the play and that he, in fact, made it, I mean, really saves the series for them. Because the Astros were in a lot of these games. Yeah. You know, it's not like they got their crap. That's correct. Them. That's correct. Well, they, I, mean, I, I mean, they were right there with them. The Astros showed what a good team no, they are. No doubt. So, much better than the Yankees, by the way, because Boston absolutely, you know, mopped the floor with the Yankees, including one game where they won like 16-1 yeah. to 1 or something like that. Um, so... Uh, but well, another thing too, I just want to add that that speaks to the quality of the Red Sox is that they defeated a Yankees team that won a hundred games, and they defeated a an Astros team that won a hundred and never happened. Games. That's so, never I mean, happened before. That yeah, that's never happened before. And and I also want to speak to your point about uh, how it kind of upsets you a little bit that we might add the Red Sox from 2018 to the list of greatest right, teams the pantheon, ever. Yeah. And what that does. What it does is it diminishes slightly. When you add another great team to that list, it sort of overall diminish. It diminishes our, you know, great our favorite great teams. And, well, it past. certainly moves so. them over a little bit, and I and that's a little unsettling to me. But talking back about the defensive players, Tony Kemp of the Houston Astros yeah. made the defensive catch of the playoffs so far in the. Um, Game three in the third inning off of Steve Pierce. I, how he, first of all, if you ever look at Steve, or uh, I almost call him Steve Kemp, who's an old Tiger player, Tony Kemp, uh, he's a pretty small guy. How he made that leap uh, out in, uh, in, in left field is, is beyond me. Uh, I don't know whether you had a chance to see it, but it was spectacular. He literally probably jumped as high as he is tall. To, to catch that ball and steal steal a what would have been a double at least for Pierce, even though Pierce isn't the fastest guy in the world. But as great as uh, uh, Ben Denny's catch was, with, and you know that was more impactful. That it, right, it was it was more. I mean, the moment but, but for Kemp's ben catch, catch was, was. I'm telling you right now, it was one of the best catches I saw all season an out, outfielder make because he literally and unlike. Um, uh, Betts, who we'll talk about here in a second, who was involved in a very controversial play. Um, Kemp's was clean, and literally everybody in the stadium was like, I can't believe he actually caught that ball. Because, again, if you look at Kemp, he's just not that big of a guy, and he's certainly not that athletic, and he's not that great of a hitter. And so that's what the beauty of baseball. You see guys that 
you know, show up in these playoff games that are not necessarily the best guys on the team. We'll talk about uh, Eric Kratz of the Brewers here in a second. But uh, Kemp was one of those guys that was very, very uh, integral to um, Houston who, um, you know, they just were slightly defeated by uh, this juggernaut that is the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, no, and and let's talk about that uh, controversial play. Uh, the home run that was reversed, or what happened was, uh, who was who's it that hit the ball? It was uh, Jose yeah. Altuve, first inning of uh, the deciding or the or, or the yeah. fifth game, and he hits an opposite field drive. So so Altuve is batting right handed. He hits it to right, right field. The ball looks like it should go yeah. out, and then who's the outfielder? Mookie it's Betts. Betts. Yeah. Mookie Betts, who's uh, who's one of the best defensive outfielders. Well, he's the American League MVP. Uh, yeah, he really is. And he, he ranges over to catch the ball. He reaches up. And I, from what it looked like to me, a fa- well, uh, fans touch his right. glove while he's trying to catch a fa- the ball. A fan pushed, Joe a fan West, pushed his glove close because he had an open that's glove. Right. That's I right. I saw it magnified a thousand times. So you could see just yeah. the glove, the hand, and the, and, the, and the fan. And basically, Betts went up to make the catch, would have made the catch, He's a gold glover, and he, he 95% assurance that he would have made that catch. And a fan with his hand, not on purpose, was going for the ball, but closed his glove, thus, you know, enabling that ball to, to, to stay right. in the stands. The way that the, le- the letter of the law is after that 98 play in the Yankees playoffs. The Jeffrey yeah, Mayer play. I, I which, can't, uh, I can't yeah. stand Joe West, but that call was 100% correct. Because if that's yeah, the rule, yeah. then there's no question in my mind that Betts, if you watch it magnified, Betts makes that catch. And so. No, and, and, and I hate Joe West as much right, as you right. do, but, but, but I also wanted to make the point that he, he was 100% right. Um, and, and what's interesting is he makes the call, he calls it immediately as fan yeah, interference. Yeah. And he, he knows that they'll review it in New York. And if they overturn it, then they over. If evidence shows that it's it should be overturned, it'll be Correct. overturned. So he has at least he's empowered to sort of make that decision. And what ends up happening is you're given all these camera angles, but you're really not giving one that's conclusive as to whether or not the fans are reaching over into the field of play, or if Betts is reaching over into the fans right. area. What's really happening? Who is doing what? And the best camera they had for that was blocked by a security yeah. guard. You know, so this, the security guard was le- leaning over to watch the play, and he obscures the entire thing. So, uh, well, there's, so, a, there's a couple. There's yeah, you have to kind of extract. It's a couple things. Once you know, again, I urge you to go and take a look at how they magnified it, um, like a thousand percent, and it's very clear cut that it's fan interference. Because if that's let's put it this way, there's nobody sitting in those stands. Betts makes that catch 98% of the time. And so, and so I, if, if, if he's allowed agree. to make that catch, then you have, to, you have to go to the second point that I'm trying to make is if you have any criticism at all, it has to be the rule that itself that, 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 that there is such a thing as fan interference. Because until that 12- or 13-year-old boy in 1998 Yankee fan – um, who, who started all this business. There never used to be a rule on this, which, by the way, me- right. would have meant that that would have been a home run on that night. It, it, that by is, the way, yeah, that, 
it wouldn't have changed the outcome of that game. Uh, Boston still would have won, but I think that it, it raised some very interesting points. And to me, the biggest thing that became clear to me, as I saw in two or three incidences in that series, is that as much as I dislike Joe West and I can't, I can't stomach him, um, and, and stomach is a good word when you think of when you think of that guy. Um, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is that West made two or three great calls, and the reason why they were great calls is that he only saw him once. And in the case of that outfield play, he was far away from that to make that, even though he was staring at it, it's still, you know, you, when you look, break it down and look at it five different angles and magnify it a thousand times, it very, becomes very clear what happened. He had one shot at it and made the right call. And I, there was a couple plays, including one at second base where someone overslid a base and he, he was right on top of it and made the absolute perfect call. Again, the point I'm trying to make, as much as I can't stomach the guy, he actually had a good yeah. series. Well, here's the thing is that when you compare Joe West to Angel Hernandez, right, right, well. I mean, Joe West is at least competent. Well, you know? now he's he's the problem with West is his personality is just insufferable correct. because he, he he's always trying to assert his authority. Yep. He, he call he makes he like he'll intentionally call a pitch a ball that is a strike just to fuck with correct. the pitcher. Correct. You know what I mean? Just to say, I'm in charge, right. motherfucker. And, you you know, I'm going to do it. But, you know, and so, uh, you know, like, I dare you to question my calls, you know. And so that's the problem with West. Hernandez is is just in power. Uh, I, I heard a player you know? once say about Joe West that he's got a he's got a face made for a two by four. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good line. That is a good line. So uh, one other person I want to talk about in the Red Sox who really kind of uh, – well, he, he'd been doing really badly yeah. in the playoffs for a yeah. long time, and that's David Price. And I saw a, a, a schematic in, in fan graphs that there were like some 70 pitchers who had uh, 60 or more innings pitched in the playoffs, and he had the second highest earned run average of all right. of them, which was remarkable. That was, I mean, he's the worst of all these pitchers, these postseason pitchers. But he, he, he gets the win in the clinching game. What did he pitch, seven innings yeah. and allowed yeah. one run? You did really it, well. Extremely so, well. I, and also, when you talk about that, that Fangraphs article, David Price is not a junk pitcher. Until recently, no. he was a Cy Young caliber pitcher. He's got a tremendous contract. Detroit overpaid for him. It looks like Boston overpaid yes. for him. But when he was back pitching for uh, Tampa Bay, he was a dominating left-hander that nobody wanted to see yeah. every fourth or fifth day. So – when you talk about a guy like that who struggled so mightily in the postseason, believe me, as a Tiger fan, I saw him pitch poorly many times when it counted a lot. It was kind of great to see him uh, pitch so well in that game. And the reason is, is it meant so much to him. You could tell this was a, a life moment for him. And, 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 you know, obviously this is a major league pitcher that has had tremendous success uh, you know, he'll end up making over $100 million in his career. Um, and so I, I was very happy for Price. Um, and, and I think it's, it kind of will buoy him to go in, going into the World Series. But he finally got that, uh, that monkey off of his back. No, you're right. The redemption was, was certainly evident, you know, when he, he came off that mound and knew that he had finally put uh, sort of these bad performances uh, behind yep. him. Price isn't the most no, he's not. of people. He, 
he's said and done some things that I've had an issue with, but, uh, but you know, you, you want to give people a chance to succeed and I'm sure he's not all bad. And, and just because I dislike him on one front doesn't mean I will dislike him. In I, and just look, so let that me just good. say one other thing about him. He is disliked because he's got a short temper and he's done some things with the press and in, in certain games where he's kind of acted out, but he's also one of the greatest teammates you'll ever have. I remember when, the uh, the the uh, Tigers unfortunately traded him to Toronto. Um, you know, he basically yeah. uh, Price got in his car and drove right to Toronto to to join his new yeah. teammates that yeah. night. You know, which I've made that drive. It's a five hour drive. That you know, it, it, he's there, there's a lot of good about David Price. He just wears his heart on his sleeve, and that's gotten him into trouble. It has. It has. All right, so uh, enough about the Red Sox and the Astros. Let's talk about the series that ended last yeah. night as the Dodgers defeat the Brewers of Milwaukee in seven right. games. Um, you got some thoughts on this? Yeah, series? well, again, you know, I know you don't like the Red Sox, and, and I know that you're not a big fan of the Dodgers, which leaves you kind of in a dilemma, which yeah. we'll talk about at yeah. the end of this uh, segment here. Uh, but I can't stand the Brewers. I, I mean, I, and I, I couldn't stand really? the Brewers because – they beat my Cubs more than anything yeah, else. Yeah. Outside of that hot chick that sits behind the behind home plate for every game, and and, <laughs> and that and that's significant, mind you. That is significant. Uh, yes, uh, baseball yes. Amy is her, her name, or front row Amy. She actually she actually has a fa- uh, a Facebook fan page. Um, oh, uh, I got to yeah, see I that. Bet you do. The, the 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 watching that series was was just mind numbing at times because I really thought that uh, Craig Council. Here's the problem. Craig Council does not have a great starting rotation. And so he was forced to do what Tampa Bay kind of initiated this year, which is to have a multitude of pitchers pitch out of sequence, different circumstances. Last night was a microcosm for Craig Council of why I thought they lost the series and would have lost the World Series if they were to try that crap with Boston. They have to put Hader in as early as he did last night was 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 inexcusable that's that's a poor use of an eighth and ninth inning pitching basically what he's telling the Dodgers is we're so afraid we got to bring in our best pit, best arm right now to kind of keep this game level for a little bit of a while well you know haters only going to pitch right. two or three innings and by the time he was out of the game boom we get that big home run I just thought that the Brewers glaring issue that you and I covered all season long was which was they didn't really go out and get a, a pitcher beside – they got Gio Gonzalez at the 11th hour, and obviously that didn't turn out for them. But yeah, their that, starting that, rotation yeah. killed them, absolutely killed them. And why? The question is why. You got Miley, who was above average this season, and uh, Shaquin, who was maybe their best pitcher down the stretch. You know, And, and Shaquin, they left him in for one inning. It, it, when he came into to – yeah. I, I just I, I could I, I just thought it was inexplicable. I don't – I don't get it, and I think that the the Dodgers were were the were the better of the two teams, just barely. The Dodgers have issues too, um, but they were more consistent from a pitching standpoint. And uh, I'll tell you what, Kershaw's a gamer on that club, that team. I'll tell you that right now. That guy's got heart. He's not. He's kind of like Price. He's had some some bad postseason games, uh, even though he's a much better pitcher than Price. But uh, he's that guy's a gamer. That, no, he is. He is. And you got to give the Dodgers credit. And uh, and I think that that you're right. You know, we were very critical of the Brewers not going out and getting a frontline starting pitcher before the trade deadline. And 
and it didn't hurt them until the uh, NLCS. It, you know, it finally caught up with them that they really needed one guy who could sort of soak up some innings and, uh, you know, allow that offense, give that offense a chance to get out in front of teams. And, and you know, their offense was formidable. No doubt. Kane was great right to the end. You know, he was getting hits and getting on base. They were threatening, but they just, you know, in the end, the Dodgers finally were kind of able to keep them at arm's length. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would have liked to have seen as much as, you know, as angry as I was about the Cubs losing out to the Brewers, I wanted to see them beat the Dodgers. It would have been, I think, fun for their fans. You know, you know. Smoltz, um, Smoltz said something very, very uh, true last night, which is when you use seven or eight pitchers every single game and six of those pitchers are the same pitchers, after a while, major yeah. league hitters fi- start to understand who those pitchers are and they learn how to hit them. And so as the series wore on, the, the Dodgers started to figure out with the exception of Hader, Hader was all world, but right. you know, well, Hader's exactly. overwhelming. I mean, he had 50 yeah. striking strikeouts in the nine innings that he pitched before he entered the game last night. He just nobody could really put the bat on that guy. But the point is, he can't pitch more than two or three innings a game. He really should pitch one. What Hader needs to be, yeah. if I if I ran that team, he would be my lights out closer. That's it. He would come in yeah. in games when you know to, to to finish off games. So that being said, I think the Dodger hitters started to catch up to what Milwaukee was basically throwing them at, at every night. The, Milwaukee at certain different points was averaging eight or nine pitchers a, a game. Now, it, Boston yeah. was at four or five pitchers. You know, uh, uh, Houston had, had four or five pitchers. The Dodgers uh, had more pitchers, but for different reasons. But I really think that, that that's what spelled doom for, for the Brew Crew was, um, was, the, was the, their pitching staff, their lack of a front – front of the rotation guy like a Kershaw that could shut things down because again if you look at it you know Milwaukee won that first game six to five and then if you look at the next six games after that you know the Dodgers with the exception of that extra inning that 13 inning game kind of dominated them after at, after a certain point or the second half of the series they did so, yeah and and I think I think Roberts deserves no some credit I think he outmanaged he outmanaged counsel who I think you know, Council had the issue of just not having a front uh, a front line rotation to sort of counter with, but but I think that uh, Robert sort of anticipated a lot of Council's moves. You know, understanding what Milwaukee's weaknesses were and what 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 Council was trying to do to overcome them, and then Roberts really, I think, was able to counter it. So I was uh, I was I was it was interesting to see it happen, and and I I, I still you know I dislike Ryan Braun intensely. Me too. But uh, but I still wanted to see the Brewers win, and part of the reason is because of young players, or not no. young, but players like this guy Eric. The Mennonite. Have you seen yeah, this the guy? Man- the me- he's a. Man- I didn't. I didn't. How do you yeah, know yeah, that? Yeah. Eric Kratz is this journeyman minor Correct. leaguer, major played leaguer, for almost every you know, team in the majors. Yeah, yeah, and you know what was really cool? Did you see that article yes. where you know his friends from college all showed up at the game at the NLCS game? each wearing one of his different jerseys from one of the different teams he played for. So one guy's got a right. Padres jersey on with Kratz. Another guy's got a Blue Jays, Jays jersey. Blue Jays. He, he's played just for just so many teams, gesture. they took up the whole section. I, I not only read it in the yeah. article, I saw it uh, in the games when it was happening. When I wasn't staring at uh, front row Amy, I was looking at uh, uh, his little cheering. They're basically college buddies of his. 
from the, um, right, the right. Me- he went to Mennonite High School and a Mennonite College. Um, and and it's, wow. a, it's a great story with Kratz, but don't look too closely at his stats like I did this morning on Baseball Reference because <laughs> he's a 211 <laughs> career hitter. I did, I did the same thing, Tom. I did the exact same thing. What is it, a 0.3 career wins above yes, replacement? Yes. I mean, I mean, yeah. But 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 you know what? He's he's playing in the major leagues. He is freaking in the NLCS. Not just that. He's a very able catcher. Unlike the Dodgers, yeah. by the way, who in the first couple games of that series, they went with a uh, soon-to-be free agent, Yasmani Grandel, as their catcher. Yeah, and Grandel right, had the one of the worst catching performances on the big stage that I've ever seen in my whole life of following baseball. And he inexplicably, after game one, after he had two critical pass balls when Kershaw pitched, he made the comment, uh, the Dodgers really let Kershaw down, uh, Kershaw down tonight. And I'm like, no, Yasmani, you let Kershaw down. It wasn't the Dodgers. It was yeah. you. you. You are, uh, you know, his win above replacement as a, because of his hitting ability. He's one of the top. Yeah, he's he can one hit. Of the top free agents that's available. And we'll talk about that in a second. But the reality is I wouldn't touch that guy with a 10-foot pole. He is terrible on defense. He is a guy you do. He, he needs to be a DH in the American League. No, you're right. He he's not he's not a good catcher, and he did let them down. But what do you yep. do? You know, they're 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 you have to point to something, and and that's their I guess their big weakness. Yeah. Uh, and and when you look at them and the way they match up with the Red Sox, I think the Dodgers are in big trouble. Well, you know, they're, they're, if they they need Kershaw to be well, I, I wanted to, to I segue into this whole business about t- because of Grandel of teams steal, uh, stealing signs, and. Uh, you know, oh, there, okay. there was a, yeah. uh, uh, as usual, a tremendous article by Jason Stark, who in the um, athletic, may, may, maybe the, athletic, the preeminent yeah. baseball writer in America right now, in my opinion. Um, and and what he he's suggesting is for a multitude of reasons, but one of them is for the integrity of the game that baseball. But the other one, which is a much bigger issue in my opinion, is the amount of time that it takes with players jumping yeah. in and out of the box and. Uh, pitcher stepping off the mound and looking over into the dugout and all this business, he feels as though this whole suggestion um, and the, what how this reared its head was that Houston was accused of having a, one of their guys in the uh, in the camera in the Near camera the Red well, Sox. Yeah, the camera trying wall. to, to right. basically as it turns out if you read the whole article he was in there to try to confirm that Boston was stealing signs. And they have been caught stealing signs. Right the at Houston. Who yeah, are you talking about? Houston. The- no, Bo- Boston. Yeah. Well, Boston was caught. Houston was suspected right. of doing it in the World Series last year. The Dodgers thought they were doing it, and that might explain a little bit of their success. But uh, but the fact is, is that teams are getting too yeah, good at this, and and uh, you know, and and what's happening is, in order to counter it, uh, catchers are changing sequences That's of right. signs, and all of that takes yep. time. You know, when the game is going on, that takes time to to sort of figure out. 
and it's taking forever to play this, out. This, this is an age-old issue, too, in the sense that, you know, if, if you've got a guy on second base, one of your guys is on second base, and, you're, and your hitters are standing up to the plate, they do little hand signals to show where the catcher's framing. If the, catch, if the oh, catcher's yes. framing outside, you know, and you know that he throws a slider or a fastball, you have a really strong idea what the pitch you're going to be seeing, or at least a 50-50 in a case of a, that has, a pitcher that has two primary pitches like that. So this has been going on since the, since the, the dawn of baseball. Actually, most famously, I believe, the, the called uh, shot, the 51 game, uh, that it came out much later that I think the Giants were the Giants had been stealing and, and had, signs. Had a yeah, guy they had a system field. right. And so what um, Stark asserts, and I agree with him 100 percent, is that baseball has to go to what football does, which is catchers and pitchers would be wired electronically. They have the technology to do it today, and um, you know the one criticism that uh, or one. Uh, thing that Stark puts up that could be a negative against it is the fact that potentially other players can hear it. That's not true. They have yeah. technology today that they can, that, that they can get around that particular issue. Um, and so I think they should do it immediately. Uh, if that speeds up the game and gets rid of this nonsense, do it. What you still have is pitchers, in my opinion, love them to death. I love the game of baseball, but there's some of the dumbest people to walk the planet. And so when, <laughs> when, when you, when you change the, the signs on the fly, sometimes you'll see the, the pitcher with a puzzled look on his face because he doesn't quite know what the change was. And then, you know, he's kind of guessing because it used to be the four finger, one finger is a fastball. You know, the fourth pitch finger was your fourth pitch that you threw. That's that they're way past that now. That's yeah. Even though no, half yeah. the catchers wear yeah. fingernail polish to make that evident out there, it, they could get rid of all that stuff by just putting a, a by putting a little speaker in the baseball caps or the helmets of the catcher and the pitcher. Uh, to me, it's, it's, a, well, it's, it's really, a, it makes complete sense. I mean, if you sit there and watch a catcher flash the signs, it's like watching another. It's it's like you're watching some advanced form of sign right. language. It's Correct. unbelievable how complicated yep. it is. And I remember watching an ESPN game and David Ross was in the booth and they just did this unbelievable sequence. The catcher did. And then he goes, he goes like this. Wow. Change up. Yeah. You right. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like, what the, what did right, you see right, there? I didn't right. see that. So, uh, but you know, anyway, but uh, do, do you have a favorite in this uh, world well, series? Well, before, Who do you like? Before we Who talk about this, one last thing that occurred oh. and, it, and it impacts the Cubs and that is, uh, in I think it was Game Three, uh, Manny Manny, Ooh, Manny yes, yes. was running out a routine ground ball to first base, and um, literally tried to take Angular out of the game by run, run, running yeah. his left leg over uh, over Angular's leg that was still on the first base bag. It was obvious that he did it on purpose. Um, Yelich yeah. had a great quote. You know, that was a dirty play from a known dirty By player dirt, that yeah. this guy has got yeah. a reputation for this. And I'm sitting here watching it. At first, I was like, well, this is just old school baseball that Kirk Gibson used to do this stuff, which he did. If you were anywhere which near did, second right? base when he was trying to steal second, he would because he was an ex-football player from Michigan State. He yeah. would take you out and he ended Tony Fernandez's season in 1987 by doing just that. So that's part of the game. Yeah. 
But Machado, that was just beyond the pale. What you did, you you now you're talking yeah. about. You could have you could have ended the guy's career. That that could have been like you know Pete Rose, uh, Fossey type of stuff. You know that was unnecessary and that was dirty. And it made me think: Do we want this guy on the team? And then we'll talk about well, my answer to that when we talk about the Cubs in a second. But I'll tell you what: it it, it had me shaking my head. It, and my wife was like, "What is wrong with that guy? He he, he could have avoided that." like the plague that, you know, stepping on that, that guy's leg. No. And then there was another thing where he didn't run out of ground ball. He didn't run it out hard. And then he, they asked him about it after the game. He's like, well, you know, going hard a hundred percent of the time, just not my yeah. cup of tea. And, you know, I'm just, I'm like, do, do the Cubs want right. this guy? Right. You know what I mean? Right. But, uh, uh, so, so you, we, you have, we talk about who do we like in the series and, well, I think it's going to be potentially a very short series. And the reason for that is, is that really? I do think that Boston has the potential. Let's put it this way. If it's a sweep, it's Boston. If it's a five-game win, it's Boston. If it's a six-game win, I think it's Boston. If it's seven games, I like the Dodgers. So, well, so that means because if it's a seven-game series, that means correct. that Kershaw correct. probably pitched a really at least two And really not good only games. that, he would be available for that game no matter what cuz think about it he, I think yeah. they're going to try to put him out there next Tuesday to start the series which I would not do by the way. I would start him in game 2 or 3 so he would be available for game uh, 7. However, in rock to Roberts's credit, I don't he's I don't think they think they have that luxury to to let it go that cuz no. they could be down 3 games by the time he takes the mound, he can't have that. Right. So no, you you got to go. I think you would have to. I, I disagree. I think you have to. Yeah, me too. Him. It's the only chance they have. It's the only chance they have of being right. the Red Sox. That they need a brilliant. You know, they need eight innings Correct. out of him. Wow. Oh, how how yeah. what a concept. A starting pitcher pitching more than yeah. seven innings. But uh, but we'll see. But who do you like? I mean, who do you who do you per? You know, who 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 do you want? I want the Dodgers to. I want the Dodgers series. to win. I'm a National League Ugh. guy. I don't like the Red Sox. I've never liked the Red Sox. And, 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 you know, I'll just say it right here and now. If the Red Sox win, they're going to go down in the, in the pantheon of great baseball. Right. Teams. It's one of the great, certainly one of the great seasons <clears throat> of all time, maybe the greatest Red Sox team of all time. And these are all things that I'd like to see fall like a ton of bricks, quite frankly. It was kind of like when Seattle won 116 games in 2001 and got knocked yeah. out in the playoffs. There was some schadenfreude on my part. I was kind of happy to see him go, and it would be that way this time. However, my brain tells me the Red Sox will win the World Series. I Yeah, I, I would agree there. And in terms of what I want to happen, you know, I don't really like either of these teams. Uh, historically, I've always had problems with the Red Sox. And the Dodgers have always seemed to be against every National League team I'm rooting for. They either are defeating that team or they're in that team's way. So, you know, I, I had to really weigh this carefully. And what it came down to for me is that this particular Red Sox team is unlike any other Red Sox team in, in that they're fast, yep. they're athletic, they're young. you know what I mean? They're not slow and old and right-handed right. dominant, you know what I mean? It, 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 it's, they're just a better team. And also, I'd like to see Chris Sale, yep. you know, get yep. a championship. That would be good. He's a great pitcher. So... It's just basically I'm rooting for the Red Sox for that reason. Um, I, I'm not I'm, I'm indifferent to the outcome, but I just I can't what I considered rooting for the for the Dodgers. I kind of I threw up in my mouth. It was <laughs> well, the, th the thing about the Dodgers is it kind of goes back to 1955 when uh, Walter O'Malley was in the finishing 
stages of moving the Dodgers out of Brooklyn to L.A., um, which, by the way, was a brilliant business decision on his part. But he really created some 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 not only fans that were crushed in Brooklyn, but they've never forgiven him or nor, never forgotten. No. It was a saying back in the 50s that, you know, if you had Mussolini, Hitler and Walter O'Malley in the in the room and you only had uh, two bullets in the gun, who would you shoot? And basically the answer was you shoot O'Malley twice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, he really ruined the sort of uh, cultural identity of yes. that borough. Yes, yes, you know, uh, that's I mean, very true. He, but at the same time, it needed to happen. Baseball needed to be a national sport. It needed to expand to the West Coast. You know, and that, that came with additional problems, but, uh, but it, it had to – it was an inevitability. And I'm sorry it was the Dodgers that were the team to go, but there, you, there it is. You know, so uh, – all right, so let's talk about yep. the Cubs because uh, even though the Cubs were eliminated several weeks ago – there's no, no shortage of things to talk about. And let's begin with the fact that they fire Chili Davis, the right. hitting coach, and they hire Anthony Iapose, which is he Iapose is an interesting candidate for a hitting coach because he's essentially he was the Correct. assistant Correct. of the guy they fired to hire. Right. Chili he's Davis. a company. He's a company so, man. Yeah, he is. So and, and the other thing that sort of was significant for me is I'm never, ever again going to allow myself to be seduced by the importance of a hitting or pitching coach. It, it, is, it has no bearing on anything that will happen in the season. At the beginning of the season, I'm like, oh, Chili Davis, he's going to really fix Schwarber. He's going to do this. Oh, yeah. forget about it. It was just nonsense. Yeah. You know, I, so. I agree. I think it's a lot about new, nothing, but they, but they couldn't go back to get the guy who they should have brought back, which is what's his name? Malley, right? John Malley. Yeah. yeah uh, John so Bally. they got the next best thing. So it, it's interesting. Uh, um, we'll see how it goes, but I would anticipate that that uh, Bryant has a really good season next year because he, he's he's a now, Bryant the, guy. He is a Bryant guy, and and the big joke was would they hire Chris Bryant's father? Right, right. Coach, that wasn't you know? a joke. That wasn't I mean, a joke, Leo. That 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 there was some there were some discussions about that, but I think ultimately they 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 made the right cho- choice. They, they, what they should have done was gone and got Malley, in my opinion. But they they could with egg on their face, they couldn't do that. No, they couldn't. They they couldn't. So they you know they go back to the way they were. Let's hope it makes a difference. I mean, but unless they really bring in a frontline offensive player, somebody who really lengthens the lineup, and and I would imagine that that someone would be right-handed uh, with a little bit of power. Uh, they're not really going to see major improvements offensively. Correct. Um, and 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 that begs the question: Who would you rather have, Manny Machado? Or Bryce Hopper. Machado, Machado, without Which, a doubt. I, I, as much as I dislike yeah. his his behavior, that can be something that can be fixed. He's 26 years old, as is Bryce Harper. Yeah. But I would take Machado. Fills takes care of two problems. It takes care of our our uh, Russell problem uh, at shortstop, and and we're also yes. then adding one of the best players in the major leagues to our lineup. So that's that's a significant um, change. To, it, to, uh, let's put it this way: yes. Let's just say Machado wasn't. Uh, available this year, I still wouldn't go after Harper. I just think I think Harper, no, while no. he's young, I'm shocked to see that he's still only 26 years old. Uh, he's just to me is a one-dimensional type of player. He's almost like Schwarber, but much better than Schwarber. Um, but but he gives you kind of the same stuff that Schwarber gives you, which is a lot of power, um, but not so much good at, in, at at anything else. When you when you look at the players that are available, 
Um, there's not a lot of great stuff out there. And I, no. I didn't, I don't really like any of the starting pitchers after uh, Patrick Corbin, who, by the way, I think is going to become a Yankee. Um, even though I know Kershaw is going to be available. A, I wouldn't pay him a lot. His best years are behind him. And B, I'll bet you the Dodgers sign him up. So really you got to focus on the relief pitchers and there's only two or three of those guys. There's a lot of old relievers available on this list, but out of um, had a really good year. He's a guy I would look at. I would obviously look at yeah. New Jersey's Familia, who missed the season, um, and, but and is still relative. His arm is young, even though he's 29 years old. Um, I'm not so sure about David Robertson. I mean, he's 34. Uh, Kim, 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 I, I don't, I wouldn't no, talk I don't like Robertson. Um, so you, there's not. When I look at this class of of what for, of what the Cubs need, there's players available, but we don't need some of these positions. So I don't. I didn't even focus on them. We don't. We don't need a third baseman. We don't need a second baseman. We don't need a really a catcher, except maybe a backup catcher. We don't need a. Well, I was thinking Jonathan Lucroy might be a you know somebody to bring yeah, in as a backup catcher. But that's not that's not a major uh, free agent no, move. No. When, when, if you're making a, a major free agent move. To me, it would either be Machado or you put all your money on like a Dallas Keuchel, uh, something like that. Um, because I don't think you're getting Kershaw. I don't want J.A. Happ. Uh, I don't want Morton or Lynn or David Price or Sabathia. I think you really got to look at Keuchel, who's 31. That's an age I don't like, as we learned with Darvish. Um, yeah. you know, it's really Corbin, but everything that I've read is that he's going to become a Yankee which is scary. Um, but, yeah. but the Yankees need starting pitching because Sabathia is 38 years old. He is so what are you old? And well, I think, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's hard because let's say they, they miss out on Machado. Let's say the Yankees or somebody else, you know, offers him all the money in the world and they don't right. get him. So I'm looking at the next name down on the shortstop list and that's Jose Iglesias. And you as a Tigers fan, you've seen him a lot more than yeah. I have. Do you have any opinions on that? He's, he's one of the best defensive cat, uh, shortstops in the major leagues who, who could not, his bat is like a, it's like a spaghetti noodle. Do not, do not really? take him. We don't, we, he's really good defensively, but he can't hit a lick. That win above replacement and, is based on his defense. Entirely on his defense. All right. So that's tough. So then you look around and, and you're right. I mean, apart from a couple of relievers, you know, uh, it's not a very exciting class of free right. agents. There's some very minor sort of uh, fixes that they can do here, but uh, nothing that's really, apart from getting Machado or Harper, there's nothing that really stands I, out as somebody the Cubs should be. Really I think Machado's twice the player as Harper, as evident by their win above replacement, but I wouldn't touch Harper. I just, it's, it's so ironic because going into this year, this was supposed to be the big free agent class because of Harper, yeah. but I just think that Harper's not going to give us a World Series just like he didn't give Washington a World Series. He was very ordinary for them. I mean, he had a lot of yeah, home runs, right. but his batting average Correct. was below 250 for most of the year, and uh, I, don't, I don't know what he finished at. But, uh, you know, it, it just he, – he, my father used to talk about players that inspire victory. Right. He doesn't no, inspire no. victory. Joe Morgan inspired Correct. victory. You know Correct. what I mean? Uh, so, so, anyway. All right. So, so, Joe Madden has been in the news a lot this week that he is going to be going into the 2019 season in the final year of his four-year contract, which has earned him, what, uh, $20 million? Yep. You know, this will – you know, it was a $5 million a year contract – one of the highest paid managers in baseball. And um, the word is that maybe the Cubs won't bring him back for 2020. 
Uh, do you think this is a problem? Not really. I, I, I think that I always like players, uh, managers, players to be on a year. If I ran the world, everybody would be on a year-to-year contract because that forces <laughs> you to perform. You know, um, I think Madden, Madden had an okay to not so okay season this past year, and I think that Theo is right to maybe light a little fire underneath him. That being said, I don't think he's going anywhere. No, neither do I, and I think they will sign him to an extension. But I think that one thing that nobody talks about is whether or not he even wants to come back for another right, year. Right. You know, he he's not exactly a spring chicken, and he may feel like you know it, it's a lot of stress being the Cubs manager. You're pulled in 20 different directions at once. You know, maybe he feels like I've done everything I can do here. I want a new challenge in a new situation. I think, I think he's the kind of guy who needs to keep moving. He's kind of like a shark. You know what I mean? He's got to stay forward and thinking about new challenges. Otherwise he gets, he gets bored. And I think that he may end up somewhere uh, he, else. He may, or own. he may just retire. He's 64, 65 years old. He's got a much younger wife. He likes to tour the. I think yeah. he's a pothead. I think he he's an old yeah. like de- deadhead. And I think that he you know he could very or maybe he takes a year off and then comes back to manage because he's bored with doing that. But I agree with you. I wouldn't be surprised that he was to walk away if he wasn't to get the extension and just sit 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 on the sidelines and wait for that opportunity. Um, so, and I really think too. I think that what it'll come down to is you know people. Th- Think about these things in terms of the Cubs firing right, him, right. casting him off. And I think whatever happens will be decided upon mutually by both Epstein, well, Epstein, Hoyer, and Madden. So the three of them will decide together what's going to be best for, for Madden and for the right. team. And, you know, it, it, it won't be, there won't be any animus. They'll, they'll make the decision and they'll all live with it and move you know, on. And I think that's I've read fine. in more than one corner that, um, Joe Girardi, who, who who withdrew his name from the Cincinnati Red consideration, is a potential long-term candidate for the Cubs uh, manager. Yeah. He's much younger. And so a lot of things could be at play, but here's what I hope. I hope Madden has a big year. I hope we're back in the World Series. Yeah. And I hope that this, all, this subject goes away for a while. Uh, that's what I yeah. hope. But I mean, I could even I could even see them winning the World Series and him saying, I'm done. "Yeah, yeah." You know what I, mean? I hope that doesn't happen either. But but I, I agree with you. I, basically, as much as you know, I I criticize Madden for some of his moves as much as anybody, particularly how he handles his pitching staff, uh, where, which I think is a weakness of his. However, to his credit and in his defense, he doesn't have the greatest pitching staff, as it turns out. But but I still think he's made he made some impetuous decisions. But again, he's he's trying to play the cards he was dealt. I just don't think he's got great a great hand ultimately. <laughs> so um, all right, so let's move on to this week in baseball yes, history. I've got a few that I want to get out real fast. In October eighteenth, nineteen sixty, see if you can uh, see if you can identify who said this quote: "Resigned, fired, quit, discharged." Use whatever you damn please. I'll never make the mistake of being seventy again. It's got to be. That's got to be I? Casey Stengel. You're exactly right. This is. He was fired from the Yankees after they lost the 1960 World Series, uh, losing to the Pirates. So felt bad for him, but uh, he he had a 6.23 record 
Well, he was manager yeah, of the until Yankees, he took but, the, until uh, he took felt... the Mets job, he was uh, he had yeah, one of the greatest yeah. winning percentages of any manager. I think that that was a situation, as I recall, and we even talked about uh, his testifying in front of Congress. Not that year, but I think it was a year before that. Um, I think both parties, meaning the Yankees and Stengel, were kind of growing tired of each other. I, I think that may have been the case, and I think that I don't care how great a manager you are, your welcome gets worn out after right. a while. And, Ma- uh, Madden is and so feeling that heat now. Yeah, no, it's you're exactly right, and 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 it was the same thing with Anderson, and it was the yeah. same thing with La, well, I don't know about Larusa, but that's a different yeah. story. All right, so uh, let's see, let's go. Okay, this was a big one, October twenty first, nineteen seventy five, in the bottom of the twelfth inning at Game oh, yeah. Six at Fenway oh, yeah. Park. You know, Red Down, Carlton Fisk hits the dramatic home run, and this was big for me because I was a Reds fan at the time, and you know, I was really disappointed because I stayed up late to watch that game, and and I saw the Reds lose to the Red Sox that day, but that was one of the greatest world series of all time. And, and I, I, I romanticize about that series a lot less now that I'm no longer a Reds fan, but certainly a, a tremendous moment. It in sure baseball. was. I remember exactly where I was when I saw that play, I was standing outside of one of my friend's house because I had somewhat run away from home a little bit. And I was, I was pissed <laughs> at my mother. And so I was staying with a friend of mine, uh, in his garage, and so he had, he had it set up in his uh, family room, and I actually had to watch that play from outside uh, his house. Uh, that's yeah, so, funny. so that's why I remember exactly where I was when that play went down. Uh, well, you know what's interesting about that play is it also changed the way that uh, these uh, broadcast networks cover uh, these uh, series because what happened was the, the camera operator down the left, the left field line saw a rat, a huge rat, right because he's positioned inside the scoreboard and he sees this huge rat at Fenway park. And so he's trying to like move away from it and he doesn't move the camera and the camera just acts accidentally tracks Fisk as he goes down right. the right field line, urging the ball to be fair with his hands, that memorable image. And now they have cameras on everybody right. to get their reactions. Well, at stuff. first, so at that, first was that camera cool. operator thought that was Louis Tion. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. So now this was another one for the Reds in the World Series, October 18th, 1972. Johnny Bench is up with uh, runners on second and third in game three of the World Series. He strikes out on a full count when when he's duped by a trick. Saw that in the hospital. I saw that live, too. That was uh, wasn't that uh, Raleigh Fingers? Yeah. No, uh, it was uh, Raleigh Fingers. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that play, too. (laughs) Well, they give they give the sign to give an intentional walk. So Gene Tennis stands up, puts his arm out, and then uh, as soon as Fingers goes into the windup, he goes behind the plate. They throw the ball over the plate, called third strike, he's right. out. You know, and uh, that was pretty embarrassing. It was, but, but that was a, somewhat of a common ploy uh, back in those days. That's one of the things that I miss about the intentional walk by having to throw the pitches, right. even though from a timing standpoint, I agree with the new rule. But Babe Ruth actually hit a home run on an intentional walk pitch once. So, and that's because if you get it too close to the plate where, you, where a guy can hit it, you know, and, and someone has an idea to push it to the opposite field, that was an, another little bit of strategy that's removed from the game once they got rid of making the pitchers throw the four, four intentional balls. But, yeah, that was hilarious. And, and the, the, the smirk on, on Fingers' face was, was priceless. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was, that was a great idea. And, you, and you'll never see that happen. No, again. sadly. Because you can't, yeah, and that's terrible. So uh, the last one I want to mention is October 15th, 1988. Kirk Gibson yeah. 
It's the famous I don't home believe what Eckersley. I just saw. And I, I, I couldn't believe it either. I, I really couldn't because we all knew how badly he had been right. injured. You know, that, that we just – and I, I was questioning why they even had him on the roster. And he, it, that was his only at-bat of the World Series, if I'm not mistaken. It, it was. And, uh, by the way, I did believe it. As a Tiger fan, I saw him do that numerous times in, in late innings. <laughs> and I was with a, a friend of mine from Detroit, Lou Uden, the guy I went to high school with. Uh, and we were in a bar in Rogers Park. And I was saying, you know, if anybody can do this, it's him. And he did it. Like It, 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 it was amazing. It. The Olympics yeah. were going on at the same time. We had to fight the 88 Olympics. We had to fight with uh, – um, uh, uh, with the guy on TV, or there was some replay on the Olympics, or, or, or they had just made a film, Greenspan, I think, had just made that Olympics film that he used to make all the time. And so they wanted to right, play right. that in the bar. And I'm like, no, you got to play the World Series. Are you nuts? And so um, that was one of baseball's greatest moments. And I will, I will argue that that was post- all the greatness of the of the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s with the Yankees, that was the greatest home run um, since then in, in World Series play. Wow. That, that, I think you make a strong case, and I remember seeing it happen, and I was just floored by the whole thing. You know, I just remember the tension of that moment, and you could see how much pain yeah. he was in every time he – That was all know, legitimate, and, and, but I'm telling you, he was a gamer, that Gibson. I, Especially yeah, if you yeah. go back and look in his career, how many critical home runs he hit after the seventh inning, I'll bet you it's right up there. He's not, not even close to being a Hall of Fame player, but he was a Hall of Fame player after the seventh inning in his career. That's for sure. No, he, he played with a kind of intensity that you, you don't see very often. He's a guy, he's and, a guy I've come across in real life a few times, and he's a complete ass. He's a, he's got, he's oh, really? he's, and, and in, the, in the 84 World Series when he hit – um, uh, one of the greatest home runs I ever saw off of uh, off of Goose Gossage, who got Gossage yeah. thought he owned him, and 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 Gibson, uh, you know, made a bet with uh, Sparky Anderson. Sparky's like he's going to walk you, and he's Gibson's like no, he's not. He's he's going to throw me a pitch, and Gibson crushed it into the upper deck. Uh, but as, as <laughs> well, then you can up, see him he's you... coming around, and yeah. as the game is over, he's pushing fans down. I mean, we're trying to embrace him. He was kind of a jackass. Well, you can see too on the on the video replay, like when he gets into the dugout, he goes up to uh, Anderson, and you can see him mouth yeah. the words, "You owe me five Right, bucks. exactly. You know, yeah. So that exactly. was cool. Gibson oh, was the, Gibson was the guy that when he went uh, in 1988 to the very first spring training practice with the Dodgers he started screaming at everybody he's like you guys have no you, yeah. you guys don't have a clue what it takes to win a world championship I do you guys need to stop acting like assholes and get serious about this and and they well, Jesse Orozco Jesse Orozco played a prank on him you know what I mean and he got furious yeah, I, and he went into Lasorda's office and demanded that Lasorda find out who did the prank and Lasorda's like hey listen yeah. Kurt we're the Dodgers yeah. we're looser this is California exactly. and he's like that's why you're losers. And right. He, right. Oh, yeah. Man. Gibson was, was somebody. He was a football player. He was a tough guy. Uh, I think he graduated from high school a year or two before me. And uh, he just, he, he, he had a known reputation. I remember I went to the very final game at Tiger Stadium in 2000 or whenever it was. And I was walking right next to him uh, on the street, walking up to the stadium. And I tried talking to him. And he, he acted like I wasn't even on the planet. Yeah. Wow. So. Well, I mean, yeah, but but again, if he talks to anybody, 
he's got to talk to everybody. Right, well, right, so, no, no doubt. But I'm not just anybody, buddy. You, when I talk to you, talk yeah, that's to me, right, buddy. that's right. And, because, and the other thing, we're gonna I, have a, I, yeah, it, yeah. at this point. He had lost a tremendous amount of weight. I think he's got Parkinson's today. As it turns out, in his defense, he's a pretty good announcer. I believe he's going to be the next Tiger announcer since they fired the two guys that were fighting last year. So. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. And we didn't even talk about that. All right. So, so we're done. It, a, lot, a lot has been going on. This is a very long yeah. show, but I always love talking to you, Tom. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, send them to you are in the wheelhouse at gmail.com. Good talking you to too. you. Have man. a great week. All right. Bye bye.